Welcome to the Silk Road Mountain Race Podcast, a 12-part series covering an epic new bikepacking race through the remote mountains of Kyrgyzstan. I'm Lucy Cahoon, and in the course of the series, you'll be hearing all about the race and the riders, as well as learning a bit about this spectacular part of Central Asia. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Silk Road Mountain Race Podcast, Episode 5. It's beginning to sound like an Agatha Christie novel or something, uh, and it's certainly got quite a few twists and turns in the tale, and it's only day three. Uh, we're going to hear from the riders as they head over the first big pass of the race, Kegeti Pass. We'll also be having a more in-depth chat with Mike Sheldrake, and we have tips from a dot watcher and an expert in tracking races so that people watching at home can get the full experience and see the riders are having uh, to put up with. Last off, we waved goodbye to Naomi Friedrich and Ricky Cotter, the um, last minute pairing, who are setting off only five days after the bike should have arrived. So all going well and yeah, never a dull moment here at Race HQ. Just a reminder to those who haven't subscribed yet to the podcast, uh, first of all, what on earth are you doing? Uh, And secondly, if you head to the race website, you can get links there to how to subscribe and make sure you don't miss any further episodes. So first up, a quick race update. Things change so quickly now. Um, The speed at which the the leaders are barreling along these trails is absolutely incredible. Um, So as of this recording, we've got 81 riders still in the field. Um, Not all officially in the race because some have chosen to take a break, receive assistance, um, considered scratching, and then pulled themselves together and got back out there, which is testament to their grit and determination and uh, self-punishment. Um, we also have approximately 13 riders who have scratched. Um, again, it's a pretty fast-moving picture. So yeah, that, that, that may have changed by the time you hear this. The leader is still Jay Peterveri, very much out in front. Um, he has covered about 830 kilometers as I speak. It's it's just absolutely incredible. Um, he's expected to reach checkpoint two at any minute, in fact. About 20k behind him is the second rider, Pierre Arnaud Le Magno. He's doing very well. There are about four or five riders strung out at the front, behind which is where some of the bunches start to appear. And then towards the rear of the pack is again where it gets fairly spread out. So the distance between the front and the back at the moment is over 500 kilometers. It's just an incredible uh, picture of how challenging these conditions are for people. The weather itself has been mixed. So after a very light drizzle on day one, that quickly deteriorated into snowstorms and hail at the top of the pass, which made an already very tough day one even harder for people. Although by all accounts, there was one particular rider whizzing merrily down the other side with his open cycling top drinking a beer. I didn't see that myself, so that may be an apocryphal myth. Uh, weather now has settled a bit and we've had uh, reports from the other extreme meteorologically of 45 degrees recorded on someone's Garmin. So yeah, pretty much everything being thrown here at these riders. 
How's it going, Jay? How are you? Great, man. How are you? What's happening, dude? So I'm with uh, Pierre Arnaud Lemagnon, he's uh, fourth currently, I don't know if you knew that, but anyway, yeah, he's uh, almost at the summit of Kigeti. What do you think of the race so far? Oh, it's not bad, we've been treated with nice weather in the bottom of the climb and it was not too, too hot and everything perfect. And yesterday I looked at the Norwegian weather forecast, which were forecasting, you know, rain. And uh, here it comes. And actually, it's not rain. We get a little bit uh, ice. How do you call that? La grêle? Uh, uh, hail. Hail. Yeah, a little bit of hail. So I have to put the jacket. So finally, the right temperature to ride, actually. It's good. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. You're, so you're anyway. happy about the thunder then? So I'm pretty happy to be at the top. And so I can, uh, I can escape this area quick. But that was the plan of the day. Ride uh, not conservative, a little bit hard to make sure you get to the climb uh, at the top uh, before dark or as soon as possible to cover distance and get back to low altitude as soon as possible for the first day. So, deal is done. Sounds like a plan. All right, I'll let you get on, man. Enjoy the ride. All right, man. Thanks for for this. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome, dude. (laughs) I'm with Lee Craigie here and she's not feeling so good, but she seems to be doing quite well for somebody who's not feeling so good. Oh yeah, I think rather than the Silk Road mountain race, this has been the tours of toilets of Kyrgyzstan so far. <laughs> I don't know if your listeners want to hear, I've been shitting through the eye of a needle since <laughs> since yesterday evening, to be graphically honest. Perfect timing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I've not been able to eat today, which isn't really helping very much. But I'm hoping that, um, yeah, it'll clear out. Yeah? It'll clear out, won't it? It'll clear out, I'm pretty confident. Yeah. It can't it can't keep coming forever. No, it, it can't, can it? <laughs> I do I've taken I've taken Imodium. Imodium, yeah. Imodium is my friend. Block it up. <laughs> Sounds great. Oh, I'm so glad that we've got medical support in the top of this bus. Yeah, that <laughs> should block it up. Thanks, fellas. Wall it up solid, that's what you mean. Oh lovely. Wait. I'll let you go if you want. Don't, right. don't, don't feel obliged to stop. <laughs> it was nice to see you. Yeah. It's lovely to see you. Enjoy, enjoy the ride if you can. <laughs> see you later. So, uh, let me uh, tell me your name and your race number. Hello, I'm Marco, uh, number six. Number six, and uh, what do you, uh, you think of the first time? Uh, it was a long one. I know, I thought uh, after 3k in elevation, it kind of really was hard yeah. and we got so used to like my elevation is third floor compared to sea level so sea level so yeah. re- haven't got you really used to that one. so where are you from uh, Finland Finland okay so so this is not your first endurance race yeah no 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 which other ones have you finished uh, or done two years ago I did the trans time uh, last year I did the trans out of the way and PCR awesome so checking things off the list nice this one is a uh, very different from the rest, or? Oh yeah, so that's why I'm here. <laughs> yeah. Well, of course, because of that dinner conversation with Nelson after PC last year, but yeah, but yeah, just because trying to get some kind of different aspect to the bikepacking, keep it yeah. somehow interesting. So you're happy so far? Yeah, first day was kind of good kickoff and with, uh, the shit, with the shit storm and the climb, so yeah, 
So were you up there when it was hailing and raining? Yeah. yeah. Did you uh, just ride through it or did you stop? Yeah, you can just, I just put my yeah. rain jacket, the rain, rain jacket on and keep on, keep so forward, so. It's nothing compared to the cold that you get in Finland? Well, yeah, but you can prepare for that one. Yeah. But yeah, this, uh, in this race, I'm, uh, in this land, uh, it changes so fast, so you cannot actually have maybe time to, or you can, yeah, it can be so radical to change, but in Finland it's more gradual. All right, well, um, I'll leave you to set up and uh, have a good night's rest. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having a chat. All right, so on the way down Kikiti Pass, south side, with Josh Rear. Hi, Nelson. Hello. So I'm a bit delirious at the, little, at the moment. <laughs> oh, shit, that was fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. Got caught in the storm, and so I just put Nirvana on and, like, screamed the whole way. <laughs> and there's like thunder and lightning going like psh, psh, and I was just like <laughs> come as you are and just like screaming and I think that's what got me through and then started hallucinating a little bit so like I was like oh blackbird and then it was a rock and I was <laughs> and carried on I was like oh there's skunks in Kyrgyzstan and I was like oh it's another rock <laughs> <laughs> so was anyone else there to uh, no. partake in your delirium and screaming I don't know I don't know. Tunnel vision, man. Otherwise, <laughs> <laughs> um, you feeling good? Are you fresh? Yeah, I'm feeling really? good. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last night, made a bunch of sandwiches. Uh, six or seven sandwiches, which has sort of kept me through. How many sandwiches do you have left? One. Mm. <laughs> but lots of coffee. <laughs> Sat down, did a little bit of yoga on the side. Made some coffee. Dunk my head in the stream. It was really out of it, like super hot. Dunk my head in the stream and then came out and I was like, did I just put it in? So I put my head in again and I pulled it out and I was like, did I? And I was like dripping wet. I was like, fuck, I must have. And it was so cold that my entire head went numb and I didn't realize that like my head was actually underwater. And then started like trying to drink the water and I could see it going in my mouth, but I couldn't taste it. <laughs> it was like... Yeah, you Delirium. sound like maybe you should probably take a bit of a rest. No, Josh. no, I'm gonna keep going. <laughs> I'm gonna keep on going. I'm gonna send an okay message. I'm gonna hold this down, and hopefully it works because this tells my mother and my grandmother and my auntie and you because I hooked it up saying you saying hey I'm adventuring, I'm happy, I love you. Yeah, so you should get an email just now if it goes um, I don't have any service right now, oh, but okay. I'm sure HQ will get an email. Mm. You'll be all good. So what's the plan for tonight? How far are you still going to go? I have no idea. I have no idea. I don't have a plan for how I'm riding. My plan is to equip myself for the circumstance and then just go with how I feel. Sounds like a plan. Well, yeah. Enjoy, man. Uh, catch you later on the road. Yeah, thanks, man. Oh, word of advice, if you ever want to do like second edition, you could do Silk Road Mountain Race Single Mountain and just do that pass over and over for like 14 days. <laughs> so like cool. Yeah, 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 super cool. It was breaking some people and it was sort of like, it's a real test of character. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, I think I'll let Josh get back on with it, but um, that was Joshua Rea. Cap number, what cap number are you? Cap number 53. Thanks, Josh. Bye. First uh, river crossing. Could you just take the bridge? Yeah, yeah. Take the bridge. No, I took the river crossing. Right. No, I actually followed the exact oh, route on that, and I had to do like 
all the way up to here. I thought I put the bridge in, but uh, apparently I put the river crossing. Oops. Definitely feeling the effects of the altitude. So uh, just maybe the last 10k was a bit of a struggle. If I'd known you can drive up here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, no, but it's wicked. Really good. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that little storm. When I did my first TCR, we had this uh, storm going up the Stelvio. And I always reference everything against that. So uh, this wasn't quite as tough. But, uh, but uh, yeah, it threatened to be. And I came across this little, there's a little group down there who were huddling in. A, they all got in the bivvy bags and huddled in a ditch. And I thought, no, you've made a big mistake there. They're going to get off and then have these wet bits of gear to try and pack away and uh, I think they were just you know thunder lightning they just thought just yeah just just first day out you know so uh, no I've enjoyed it it's been good but like I say just this last 10k I've struggled a bit not climatized yet but uh, yeah give me another week I'll be ready for it <laughs> that's the highest <laughs> spot though as you see the biggest yeah, uh, climb we do, the, well, the highest yeah. altitude we get to. There's, there's a couple other passes about the same height. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Great. No. Well, thanks a lot, because I had a few people looking a bit murderous, <laughs> to be honest. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, you, you've got to expect that, haven't you? <laughs> you're going to get beaten up at the end by most of us, I would have thought. <laughs> one guy tell me, you're, you're a sadist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we're all masochists, I suppose. But uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's going to be fantastic. Look at that! What a view! Stunning, and it stopped raining. <laughs> um, well, a lift in your van, <laughs> and you won't be able to carry on riding if you get that lift. I'm afraid. Tempting, <laughs> tempting. <laughs> so I've got to walk down here, have I? <laughs> What did I bring this bloody thing for? I've just carried it most of the way. <laughs> you're carrying it pretty fast, to be honest. You're doing well if you're just carrying it. Who's in the lead? Go on, tell me. Uh, Kim was. Kim. Uh, uh, do you know what, Kim? I spoke to him at the start and he said, I'm not here to race. I've just come for the views. And I thought, I've heard that one so many bloody times. And it never turns out to be true. Yeah, so, yeah. I think Jay's probably overtaken him. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Oh. Like it always is for the fast guys. I bet they came over here in blue skies and sunshine, didn't they? They missed the snowstorm. Not <laughs> <laughs> fair. That was Mike Sheldrake, or Shelley as he prefers to be known. He's a veteran cyclist from the north of England, and he's one of these people who, just to look at their face, you know he's had a few interesting stories in his life. One top tip when you listen to the interview is have a guess at just how old or young he is and answers on a postcard. This morning, I'm joined very early in the morning by Mike Sheldrake, uh, who prefers to be known as Shell or Shelley, uh, veteran rider, sextagenarian, and all around good bloke, according to everything I've heard. Good morning. Uh, morning, Lucy. A fair introduction? I think it is, yeah. The sextagenarian bit uh, shocked me a bit, but you're right. Yeah. <laughs> 60 at the start of this year, so uh, yeah. And I'm probably going to play on that, you know. That's going to be used as an excuse, without a doubt. <laughs> I don't know you've got an excuse, actually. We'll come on to that, because I've been looking at some stats about the benefits of um, veteran versus rookie. So, yeah, there I'll are ask no you benefits. There are no benefits. <laughs> 
well, maybe one or two, but they're pretty minor. They're far outweighed by all the disadvantages. I tell you, you know, they, they, they say that uh, age is just a number, but it is definitely not just a number. <laughs> okay. In fact, I'm, I might even ask Nelson if I can start a few days early. <laughs> I think that might be classed as cheat. Well, I don't know. I don't know. No, no, no. <laughs> just even things up a bit. A lot of people say that they are racing themselves. You know, okay, you might be part of an organised race, but it's really just against you. And, and I think some people that's genuine, but then other people they say that. But actually no, they no, want no, to. it's not. No, no, no. Everybody's racing somebody else. I, I, I'm <laughs> sure of that. They'll all pretend they're not racing, but everybody is, and so they should be. You yeah, know, you have to race. I think you've got to be trying to catch the person in front of you, trying to stop the person behind you catching you, and the whole thing works. Then, and for me, the race isn't 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 everything the race is mm-hmm. in fact the race is just the background to having an adventure you know the race okay. is the context in which you have the adventure but if you know if you're not racing you're touring and it, and and it isn't what it's meant to be and i think um i think people have to embrace the spirit of the race and that means racing and it doesn't matter whether you um you know you're right at the front or right at the back you can still race there's always somebody in front of you and you know well i suppose if you're right at the back as i may well be <laughs> Um, remember, Might be a couple of yaks or something. Um, yeah, then there may there may not be anybody behind me, but to, but most people have somebody behind them who's you know they're trying to get away from and have a race with them, and it's great fun. And uh, and don't don't worry if, if they get ahead of you because the next day you might get ahead of them. That's the way these these races work. Good, it's all good fun. Um, so why the Silk Road in particular? Well, I guess there's lots of reasons. I mean, you know, one of the things is is just it's a bit more out there, a bit uh, a bit more extreme, a bit different. One of the things that I've done, I did the transcontinental first of these type of events. Really, I did was a transcontinental, and I did the second one, and I always regret not doing the first one. Um, I, I didn't do it because it, it wasn't on my radar. It, it came on my radar just as it was starting, and I watched the first one uh, as a dot watcher. And then I did the second one. And the first transcontinental was brilliant. Nobody knew what they were doing. And they, they were a lot of them, I think, had just bought, bought a Garmin for the first time as well. So they were going, even in France, they were going around in circles. It was just so good. They didn't, they didn't know where they were going, didn't know how to navigate, didn't know, you know anything about it. It was so good to watch. And I think the first of any of these events is always the best. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so, of course, you know, of the mystery. Um, so this, this Silk Road, mountain race um those of us that ride it this year we we will basically expose all the all the things you can do wrong um we'll make all the mistakes we'll get short of food in the wrong places we'll take the wrong kit and all those sorts of things and all of that will be well, a lot of it will be exposed to everybody else so everybody who rides it afterwards will will not have that joy of discovery really so one of the reasons is it's a first first time event uh, and, and as i say another reason is just you know the sort of esoteric nature of the uh, of the place we're going to and then i think i have to say another reason is nelson himself because you know i've come across nelson a few times now in these events i know what he's about i know he's a very sorted guy who understands you know the spirit of what these things are and i just had the confidence when i saw him promoting this that this would be a well-organized well-run event and i just think that you know everything i see about it tells me that's the case it's going this is going to be a fantastic um he's put in so much work it, it really is going to be good um so you know i suppose those three things above all are the reasons why i chose to do it so what is your motivation i understand the motivation of um you know once you've committed and you're there in the start line you you know there's a whole load of stuff going in there about the work you've put in and you know pride and and all the rest of it but when you have 
down times, whether that's in training or in race, maybe it's even harder in training, actually. What's your kind of motivational mantra, if you like, that, you, you know, you get yourself up and do it? Because you could say, okay, well, okay, I'm 60. I don't need to prove a point. I've done this kind of stuff before. You know, so what keeps you going? Do you know what? It worries me that I might be trying to prove a point because I, I hope I'm not because uh, you know, at 60, obviously, you shouldn't be needing to prove a point. And I don't think, I think about this a lot, especially when I'm riding itself. Why am I doing this? What's this all about? Uh, and I guess I think most riders do. Um, in terms of my sort of mantra to, to motivate me, I, I, I don't know if I've really got a mantra to motivate me because I don't, I just enjoy riding as I say, and I don't really train. I don't, I don't do what I would call training in the sense that I have a plan and I, you know, I follow a plan. And everything. I just ride my bike um, and, uh, and every ride is effectively training for the next ride. But, um, and, and, you know, so I, I don't have to drive, I don't have to find ways to motivate myself and drive myself, you know, in, in a sort of training sense. And, and in fact, to be honest, it's more, I'm just excited about what's coming up all the time and I'm just enjoying riding my bike. That's pretty much how it goes. But in terms of why I need to do these sorts of long events, I like to think it's the adventure. I was thinking about this actually whilst I was doing this Nordcap Tarifa. I was remembering that when I was when I was very young, four or five years old, we used to go on family holidays to the beach uh, in Wales. And my strongest memory and the thing I enjoyed most was going off on my own and climbing up some little cliffs um, behind the beach. And I had a little sort of secret circuit that I would cr- scramble around and then come back. My parents were sat on the beach. And I remember thinking, and I, and, I, and I just loved that. And I loved the adventure and it is just exactly the same feeling i get on these rides the adventure which is what i keep keep saying it's the adventure that attracts me and i know when i was a kid i didn't do it to make a point i didn't do it to prove it it was just you know the spirit of being a human being and enjoying an adventure and hopefully that's what's you know motivating that's why i do these rides and i'm not trying to prove anything to anybody really um but i I also have a theory that every one of us who does these rather extreme rides has got something a little bit awry somewhere <laughs> and and he's and he's got some issues or uh, well, you know then whatever it is and i look and to be honest so line up at the start of these things and i look at around at the wall and i think they've got some issues yeah they've definitely got some issues so so you know i can't really exclude myself from that so yeah um so tell me about your secret weapon then uh, for the Silk Road, is that a piece of kit? Is it a type of food? Have you got one little thing that you think, oh, yes, this is this is the first thing to go in my bag? Not really. I mean, it, did you say secret? Yes. Um, um, I, I th- if I've got any strength in me, and, and, and I'm not um, unique in this by any means, it's my ability to keep going and to look after myself, I suppose, and to... Um, you know the the overnights and things like that. I have absolutely no concerns about you know sleeping out, finding somewhere to sleep. Uh, that's an advantage of getting old as well. You can sleep anywhere. And I, doze, I doze every day in the middle of the afternoon somewhere or other. So I know I'll be able to get to sleep. Um, so you know, just looking after myself isn't isn't really a concern. And it's, that is that is just fun for me. And and you know, on these events, I try not to. It always feels to me like when you book into a hotel. You basically book out of the adventure that's true so i always try always try and avoid that you know getting the credit card out and saying right tonight i'm going to stay in a hotel and, and i do do that yeah. i try and avoid that because to my mind it, it almost nullifies the adventure part so um so so i like that that bit of it and um it doesn't daunt me in any way and uh, i think i'm quite good at it i've got you know i used to do lots of mountaineering and 
lots of you know sleeping in all sorts of strange places so um um you know that i'm really comfortable with that whereas i know a lot of people that's that's new to them that's quite challenging and that's quite difficult so you know it's not a secret but it's probably one of the areas where i'm i'm a bit stronger than some so i might be not a very good cyclist but i'm quite good at sleeping really <laughs> that's my secret. An underrated skill <laughs> Um, because, well, do you know, the, the secret of these events is is not so much the cycling. It's more about how you deal with the times when you're off the bike. You know, how do you, how do you um, uh, keep those times short? How do you make them efficient? How do you keep them tidy? How do you get good rest out of them? You know, and you can easily make a mess of the times when you're off the bike. Um, is the one thing other than, you know, you've described it very eloquently about the whole sense of the adventure and the, you know, the plumbing the depths of, mental and physical resilience and stuff but is the one I'm thing rising to the height. <laughs> yeah um is the one thing in particular that that you're most looking forward to about the silk road in particular oh it, it... It has to be, well, I suppose there's two things, but I, I suppose the first one is the people of, of Kyrgyzstan itself. You know, these, these events are always about, well, there's lots of subtexts to these events, but um, people are ultimately, and then it's a strange one, I think, because, um, you know, these are solo, unsupported rides, and in, and Nordkap Trifa, two weeks of the ride, and I didn't see one of the other riders at all, you know, visually, um, in, the, in the middle part. You know, well, there were riders, there was a rider's, uh, there were only 50 or so riders in the event and by uh, a week in we were we were strung out and so i had riders you know 50k in front and 50k behind but we and we pretty much were moving at that with those gaps permanently there for for fortnights so i didn't see riders. however you you feel like you're getting to know the riders just by the with the way they're moving their dots are moving um the things that other people are saying about them on facebook because you know you look at social media as, you, as you're going and i, I don't know how that that's going to pan out obviously in Kyrgyzstan but um so you sort of get to know riders but you also get to know the local population you have you interact with them and in a fantastic way when you're when you're on a bike and especially when you're on a bike in a challenging way and you're trying to find things trying to find food you maybe need some repairs you've got to get people involved you've got to get people to try and help you out find places for you so you know local people and you know these people look as though they're going to be and i've never come across any country yet where we haven't had a great reception everybody's always always great and helpful so I, i'm expecting a meeting with people to be the highlight really and then the scenery you know the scenery is going to be stunning i don't think there's any doubt about that and those are the things that always you know all of these rides always stand out um the people the people you ride with the people you meet locally uh the scenery you pass through those those are the key things and then the other people of course the people the dot watchers the people that sort of come in contact with you through social media and that's a very bizarre thing um and that's also also very special um and it, and it all becomes this kind of um sort of welded together family through again through this context of a race it's, it's quite quite bizarre but um but very special right i'm gonna let you go sing because it's um I, i'm aware that i'm taking up a lot of your time but i could chat to you for ages about this okay uh two quick last questions oh no maybe three uh what scares you the most about the race um I don't know that anything scares me really. What scares me the most? Wolves. I suppose. Sorry. Wolves. No, no. Do you know what animals? Animals really don't scare me at all in these events. I've never had any concerns about wolves. I mean, they scare me. Like I had some dogs come running up out of the dark on the ride the other the other week and barking really loudly, and you know, I jumped out my skin. But I mean, in terms of worrying about anything, I don't uh, have any concerns about animals. What scares me? I, I don't know. Um, 
I, I, I suppose, you know, just injury, really, I suppose is what scares me most, you know, get, getting injured. Uh, you know, that would be the most difficult thing to deal with. Badly injured, I mean, you're stuck in some way and needing help or, or, or Ill, Ill, really, you know, uh, illness or injury, I suppose that's the thing that I just um, wouldn't want to happen. Okay. Um, in three words, what does cycling mean to you? Well, happy, challenging, and contemplative. Like it. Good answer. Strange words. No, no, really, really interesting. Food for thought. I get it. Good. Thank you. Um, lastly, uh, given that you're excited about meeting the people and going to Kyrgyzstan, have you been brushing up either on your Russian or your Kyrgyz? <laughs> no. No, no, no. Um, no, it's... Um, you know what? Again, uh, sorry to keep going back to it, but no, no cap tree for that. I've just done um, went through fourteen countries, wow. and I, I've got um, I've got a little bit of English and a little bit of French, and that's it really. And um, and I, it really was a problem, uh, not, not a problem, but a challenge in a lot of places. My lack of language, and I felt this is a real weakness. And I, I did think, why why have I let this happen? Why am I not learning languages? But having said that, you can get your smartphone out now and type a phrase in in english and um and you don't even have to pronounce it you just hold the phone back up to the person. that's not the spirit of adventure you need to use your international sign language well it's an interesting point actually because the spirit of adventure is is largely missing from all of these events because of things like the technology um you have to say at the end of the day these aren't really self-supported solo events because you you have this whole we talked about a community around you and messages going backwards and forwards and i was i was thinking this as, a, as well as i was writing how you just can't avoid that now these days um, so that contact is there but you know again maybe um i don't know what to what the comms links are going to be like in kyrgyzstan we may find that we are a bit more remote and on our own and truly uh solo self-supported uh, riders and not uh not getting people sending us messages from home saying you've gone the wrong way <laughs> again or whatever so um yeah i've had that oh gosh <laughs> um, <laughs> not helpful right listen thank you so much it's an absolute pleasure to speak to you my pleasure um, yeah gosh so my head's whirling now with all the things i like your philosophy and i have actually made a note of that checking in is checking out when you go to this. I like that it's good um cool well uh happy last few weeks of training and i get to go to bishkek as well so i will see you there yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, fantastic. Well, I look forward to seeing it. And uh, not far away, is it? All right. Thanks very much. All right. Okay, thanks, bye. Lucy. Bye. Next up, we are speaking to Christy Gabriel, who very enthusiastically got in touch when I put out a call to Dot Watchers to ask if they would like to come onto the podcast. So Christy tells us about how she's got up to speed very quickly with all the techie stuff and how she's roped in family and friends and everybody else to keep an eye on the race. I'm speaking to Christy Gabriel from, where are you based? I'm based in Amsterdam, uh, but a native San Franciscan from California. Aha, uh-huh, right. Okay, this is cool. So a San Franciscan in Amsterdam following a race in Kyrgyzstan. Yes, exactly. I live in Amsterdam. Right, okay. Um, you very kindly answered my email last night that I put out to all the dot watchers, um, those very kind volunteers who, who've been ascribed about seven to ten riders each to keep an eye on. You sounded super enthusiastic. Um, tell us just 
Just recap what you said in your uh, email. Well, yeah. So uh, my boyfriend is John Woodruff and he is in the race. And about this time last year, he mentioned this race when it was just rumors um, and people were scouting the route and everything. And he was super enthusiastic. And of course, I thought he was rather insane. And um, as the year progressed, he he got accepted to get into the race. And next thing I knew, he was going to Kyrgyzstan. So I wanted to know what was up. And when the organization sent out feelers for volunteers, I definitely volunteered. And um, it didn't really hit me until he was on a plane to Turkey to connect to Kyrgyzstan that I needed to learn everything about dot watching. <laughs> because I had read the briefs, but I didn't download the Trello or the map progress or any of that stuff. So I spent two days crunching and cramming and um, watching tutorials and playbacks and um, moving cards and experimenting and things and um, felt prepared. Yeah. Also, um, his children are in America and of course he has no contact with anyone. And so I am devoted to providing them with daily updates and screenshots of where he is on the map progress and um, things like that. So I've taken it a little bit next level <laughs> in terms of dot watching. Um, and the ones that I'm officially watching, I've developed, like, I care about these people. Like, I really uh, found them on the uh, social media. And um, I've connected with, I think, all of them at this point in a series, you know, either really? yeah, either chatting or through Instagram message or um, direct text messages for some of them that don't have a presence on social media. So is this in advance of the race? Uh, I started the day when they were all in Bishkek reaching out. And then um, now that some of them have scratched on my list, they're in contact with me more. And um, I have one re- Russian uh, younger writer. Well, I, I think he's younger. Um, he's sort of in the back and I'm always watching my guy, you know, um, but he gets text messages off to me. So I'm thinking maybe he has some wild Russian Russian phone or something. I don't know. But I get right, messages brilliant. from him. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, just it's harrowing to watch uh, them. And and at first I wasn't sure how many comments I should put. You know, I would say when they went to sleep, when they stopped moving, um, what elevation they were at, uh, how many miles they'd gone, or excuse me, kilometers they'd gone, things like that. But watching your dot move backwards, for example, you know, that's in the manual, like, I'm not the manual, but you know, the um, guidelines, like, hey, unusual activity, you know, <laughs> report that. And so I did see that happen with one of my dots, and he ended up scratching with a mechanical. I saw another dot go like down the mountainside and uh, watched him sit there for like eight hours and uh, finally reached out. And it turned out he decided to find a, a you know, home to stay at. Really? Um, so he was off, you know, he was off the route and uh, in an area you wouldn't oh, think okay. he should be. Like, I, I thought he fell off the mountain or something. But yeah, he was just, he was just in a yurt. Uh, so, so, you know, I'm taking this seriously. Like I feel I'm a mom <laughs> and I'm definitely maternal about my dot watching. Sweet. Yeah. So you've got um, four of them have scratched already. Is that right? Uh, yes. Let's see. Officially. Yes. Um, four of my nine. I'm down to, let's see. One, two, three. No, five have scratched. Wow. Yeah, five. And and I just got a message from two of my writers that they might be scratching in the next town because one of them's back brakes are gone. Oh, he's my riding goodness. This- you kind of need your back brakes. Yeah, he's riding right now with just his front brakes, like jerry-rigged somehow. Jeez. 
so they're making a decision if they'll both move on or yeah I don't know. I'll find out today. <laughs> I'm not going to draw any conclusions, but you know, you kind of seem to be an albatross. If you've got if you've got five of your nine scratched, I'm just saying some people have all tens. I'm feeling also like what is this? I'm I'm like uh, <laughs> am I jinx? Like I'm a new dot watcher, and and I have several experienced writers in my um in my list. So I see some strong ones, and I'm hopeful. One of them finishes, but I it's weird, I think, out of my writers that I have several. Next year, I mean, nobody's going to be to want to go with you. Like, not with I know, Chris. I'm going to have a, a fake name. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I do find this all fascinating. So I'm I'm glued. It's it's I can see how folks can get addicted to watching, um, especially if you know the writers or you're a fan or you follow these guys who are, you know quite professional then you could get into this yeah yeah <laughs> no, I'd never understood how addictive it was before and I thought no nah, there can't really be people that do that but there are and you're one of them and and we're doing it here obviously for, for different reasons looking at the safety and the constant updates and how far people are away from the checkpoints and the border and stuff like that but you do I think when you said you feel maternal you you really invest emotionally in these people yeah Absolutely. And um, some of them are very, uh, you know, formal and professional. Um, some of them had no awareness that uh, a dot, they were assigned a dot watcher. Right. So I think this one writer was under the assumption, uh, yeah, that it's like some board somewhere and it's computer and, you know, maybe some flags get, you know, like all computerized. So if someone's yeah. not moving for six or 12 hours and the computer would go, boop, that's, you know, this person isn't... Um, tracking anymore but but she was surprised to learn that you know we are you know these little groups of yeah. people are being watched by one person and so I I she was like well that makes me feel great you know that I'm actually being watched by a human yeah so, yeah you know, obviously this is like my first yeah if it's oh I was just gonna say I made like a newbie mistake where I was watching someone and um straight away he stopped at like 25 kilometers and didn't move for like four hours so I instantly thought something really bad happened because, come on, it's like 25K in, who, you know, who stops? Um, and I didn't know quite what to do. So I like emailed, <laughs> I emailed Nelson. <laughs> and, you know, in the guidelines, they also say like, don't bother us. We have a lot on our plate, you know, worry so much, you know, blah, blah, blah. But he was great. You know, he messaged me back right away that this is normal. And, you know, so right away, like the first day, I I kind of got a vibe. And now what are we four days in? I think I'm losing track of time. Um, I've, I, I have a flow of these people that I'm watching. Like I, I can get, I get how they're pacing. It's weird. I know after week one, I'll probably have a pretty good, you know, stamina gauge on these writers as well. So you've just increased your family twofold because you've got six kids already, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, I have four and my boyfriend has two. So when we have a co-holidays together and everything it's it's wild <laughs> yeah and he brings bikes everywhere we'll put bikes on trains eight bikes on a train to go somewhere it's <laughs> insane and how is he doing um you know he's with um uh another uh two other uh folks and they are filming a lot so I'm telling myself that they're going slowly because they're filming that's what I'm and they're making like a you know, I, I, I'm telling myself that it appears they're moving very slowly, but they're in, you know, they're in the race and um, they're doing all right. But, you know, I'm, of course, my heart is like pounding the whole time. 
Um, and I haven't heard from him yet. So uh, they haven't made it to a place with reception. So that part is so tricky when you're in life with somebody who talk to you all day, every day. <laughs> and then they're just a dot on the side of the mountain. And I see where he is and it's cold and like, you know, it's it's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've got four days in, so you've still got potentially another 10 days. Are your nerves going to stand up? I don't know. I mean, I I can handle it. I really want um, <laughs> I really want one of my writers uh, to finish the race <laughs> that's officially in my queue. Um, I mean, and I, of course, I'm I'm longing, and I'm and a, another aspect of this is once you or I or someone like me gets into this and you find their presence on social media, then you, you really are following a bunch of new Instagram accounts. You're, 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 you're just looking at all the pictures. It's the photojournalism coming out of the race is astounding. Um, I thought there were great pictures before it began, but now seeing um, some of, some of these photos coming out are incredible. Um, and, uh, you know, Leon's writing some great recaps every day for the organization. And I just, you know, I'm devouring any information I can get about the region. So it, <laughs> I have a crash course in a part of the world I never really blinked an eye at. And, and, now, and now I've gotten, like our community is into it. His family, um, some of our friends, wow. you know, everybody's watching. Fantastic. Listen, thanks so much for everything you're doing. It's really wonderful. There's people like you prepared to give out their time. And, and your enthusiasm is infectious as well. So it definitely is a two-way thing. And, and I love it. Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. And I'm writing, um, if I could mention a little column for um, the prologue, which is a, a cool cycling uh, online magazine and um i'll i'll notify the folks and send it to you if you'd like i'm writing i think one or two columns about being a dog that would be fantastic for that. lovely well listen fingers crossed I, cool. i'm all in favor of competitive dot watching so i'm rooting for one of your riders oh yes <laughs> I, I would mention names but i'm not sure how that you know no no let's not mention names they yeah, don't want okay. the pressure <laughs> <laughs> all right cool I hadn't expected to do another interview with my other half, Russell Stout, but he made a surprise appearance at the Bishkek Youth Hostel last night, so we'll hear exactly what he was doing there. Russell, much as it's lovely to see you, it's always a pleasure, uh, you shouldn't be here. No, I shouldn't be here. I should be out in the course. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Uh might have had a slight mechanical, which I'm not going to go into the details of because it's too embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> put it this way I should have carried a piece of kit and I chose not to and it was silly and tell us what you do for a living Russell just remind us <laughs> yeah we might make bikes and uh yeah yeah it's too embarrassing <laughs> so will you be wearing the, the helmet of shame today I will be forevermore yeah <laughs> however I did have a spare part here which is good uh so bikes fitted up and Hopefully should get some transport back onto the course. Uh, I'm not going to get back to where I stopped, unfortunately, just because it's going to be too difficult to get to and um, I'll be too far behind to catch up or uh, get around the rest of the course. So I'm going to get to Chayek um, and see what happens from there. So I'll probably be sitting at the back of the field, but that's fine. Uh, they've got some... Uh, friends that started a wee bit later so uh, might catch up with them as well so we'll see, it'll just turn into a different kind of trip, um, it's still going to be hard still going to keep pushing on but um, 
yeah, we'll just see what happens. <laughs> so did you think about quitting when you got back to Bishkek? Yep, uh, I, was, uh, I was just a bit disgusted myself and thought, that's it, game over, I'm going home. Don't want to play anymore. <laughs> we chat last night, put things in perspective, a little beer, some food. It's like, yeah, okay, let's, let's, let's keep going. Good. So what time are you setting off? Uh, don't know, never can organise some transport really. So it must be about 8 o'clock now, maybe? Right. Um, yeah, maybe organise uh, some transport about 9-ish. Hopefully get away quite sharp, 10, maybe half 10, get to check. Maybe, ooh, I don't know, 4 o'clock or something like that. Or it may be that you can bump into people on, on route and maybe stop and you know, start riding with them. We'll see. So the game isn't over? The game is over, but the, the ride's not. <laughs> Thank you. Good luck. Cheers. And last but not least, we say goodbye to the ladies, Naomi and Ricky. I uh, spoke to them a couple of hours before they set off, grinning and just desperate to get their legs turning over, having patiently waited days and days in Bishkek. Hi, Ricky. Finally got the bikes. Yes. It is eight minutes to ten. How are you doing? Mm-hmm. Very keen to get going. Very keen to get going. It's been, you know, hard, I think, both for Naomi and I the last couple of days just waiting out of our control. But that's okay. You know, you roll with the punches. How have you passed the time? We went on a jolly up to the National Park, you know, to get out of town. And we have drunk tea and coffee and sort of dis- discussed our plans. You know, tried to be proactive with getting ready. And um, made numerous visits to the airport. <laughs> <laughs> to see if it's arrived. <laughs> so what was it? Fourth time lucky? Third time? I think I think it was it was something ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, it was ridiculous. But you know, it is what it is, and that's happened. And now uh, it's a change of mindset, and you know what happens now is what we focus on, not what has happened. So what's realistic? Can you can get to checkpoint one and make up time, or or, or are you going to take a shortcut? What happens? I think we, we we both, I think, would rather be within the field. So what we're going to do is we're going to cut up some of the route and accept that we won't have a finishing time mm-hmm. um, so that we can be within the feeling of the race. I think, I think realistically, you know, we both don't know what each other's capable of, so we're going to have to make that discovery quickly. So it's best not to be too ambitious mm-hmm. and put the pressure on to get to soon. So the plan's going to evolve, but we are going to deviate off the roof route. Um, which is probably going to confuse dot watchers, but I think it's the best thing to do in the situation we are. Cool. And then you can catch up with other people and yeah, and get the vibes. Yeah, exactly. You know, being yeah, on yeah. the vibes. Yeah. So that's going to take probably two or three days for us to do that. Okay. Um, two two or three days of hard work, I think. Um, and then um, about nine more of hard work. Oh well, we'll think, <laughs> we'll think about those when we've got to the first goal. <laughs> but yeah, it should it should be good, Luce. You know, I'm I'm I'm. I think we'll be fine. Yeah. Good. Better late than never, eh? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Cool. Good yeah. luck. Thank you. So that's all the excitement from the field. Um, back at Race HQ, uh, things haven't exactly been quiet here. So we have had an SOS incident to deal with. Uh, thankfully, nothing serious. We also have been supporting riders who have decided to scratch, making sure they're okay and assisting with their onward logistics. 
We've made sure that the borders on the Chinese side have been suitably sweet-talked by our control cars and uh, volunteers to make sure that the path through the border is as easy as possible. And last but not least, we have been rummaging through riders' underwear. Uh, That was all above board when one rider got in touch in a panic, thinking that he may have left his passport in his luggage. So, yeah, um, getting up close and personal with all sorts of people. Pretty hectic, and it is only three days since race start. Oh, and lastly, we had an email request a few hours ago from a rider asking when next year's entries are open. Pretty keen. That's all. Uh, Tune in next time, and goodness knows what will have happened by the next time we chat. So listen up, and in the meantime, goodbye or das Vidania. (laughs) 